Welcome to the CJC Weekly Bible Study, where CJC stands for Complete Jesus Christ. If your perspective of Jesus is based only on teachings from the New Testament, then your understanding is incomplete. Regarding what we often call the Old Testament, Jesus himself said, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So won't you join us today in our study where we esteem the newer and the older testaments alike. I'm your host, Jeff Smith, and currently we're working our way verse by verse through the first book of the Bible, Genesis. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the back over there. If you guys ever need a Bible, take one. Keep it. I mean, there's, there's lots of extras over there. I'd rather have somebody have a Bible to take home than to only be using it Tuesdays, you know, here at lunch, um, because you're going to starve the rest of the week if you don't have God's Word, right? We need we need God's Word more than we need food and drink, so don't put your Bible reading only on Sundays and Tuesdays or whatever, you know, days that you typically do, and you, you need it every day. All right, sorry, soapbox. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 25. There's only 50 chapters in Genesis. So once we finish this chapter, we're going to be halfway through, all right? So we're getting there. <laughs> so it's only been two years, four years, you know, total. It looks like we'll be able to finish. That's a, that's a year faster than Romans. So we're doing pretty good. <laughs> but Genesis chapter 25, by way of review last week, you can see on the board up there that I wrote down last week's study. If you weren't here for that one, you can see the title up there, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, that what was it, a surefire guide to finding the perfect spouse, right? So... Uh, you, really, if you weren't here, you just realize that that title, I don't, I'm not saying we were serious about that title. All right. That was not a serious title. But last week's study was a fun one. Uh, we had Mr. Wonderful here. If you guys were here, you know what I'm talking about. So Mr. Wonderful helped us out a little bit with that study. Genesis chapter 25. Somebody mind reading verse 1 here. Now Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. Keturah or Keturah. Thank you, Levette. Yes. So Abraham takes another wife here. Abraham outlived his wife, Sarah. Sarah, his beloved wife, passed away when Abraham was 137 years old. We're going to find out in just a few verses that Abraham dies at 175. He's got 38 additional years after his beloved wife, Sarah, died. So who can blame him, right? I'm imagining probably lonely when your beloved spouse passes away. So he takes another wife, and then uh, she bears him children. Somebody mind reading verses 2 and 3? Okay, maybe I, I shouldn't do that to you. It's another list of names. Oh, no. <laughs> if anybody's brave, you're welcome to step up. I'm not going to correct you on any of these names, or I'll do it if nobody else wants to. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> and she bore him Zimram, Jokshan, Median, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashram, Letushim, and Leumim. All right. Oh, it looks like we've got some more there in verse 4, don't we? And the sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanok, Abida, and Eldaah. All these were the children of Keturah. So I've got on the board there, I've got kind of a, a little flow chart to help us find who's related to who and how they're connected to the different ones. All right, so you can see the names up there. Some are descendants of others. As you can see from the board, you've got Jokshan has these two, Midian has these five over here, and then uh, Dedan has these right here. Not a whole lot's known about these sons, probably because, well, they're not the promised son, right? The promised son is Isaac, the son born through Sarah. You remember the story, obviously, but Isaac wasn't the firstborn. Ishmael was the firstborn. Ishmael was born of Hagar, all right? 
So uh, Abraham and Hagar had Ishmael. That God said, no, that's not the one I was thinking of. And then Abraham and Sarah, in fulfillment of God's promise, and uh, Sarah is able to conceive, she ends up having Isaac. And that's the son through whom the promises are intended, that God intends to do his great plan through Isaac. And it's actually through Isaac that we trace the line down to Christ. Okay. And then these other sons are through Ketera, his, uh, his wife. She's mentioned as his wife here, but if you actually, over in First Chronicles chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, you don't have to look over there if you don't want to, but just for reference, she's mentioned and described as a concubine over there. So it's clear that the author's intention uh, is consistent throughout the Bible, that Sarah is, is the woman that we're to focus on, all right, and that her child is the one that we're to focus on, and that these... You know, these are other children, but they're not the children of promise. They're not the sons of promise as Isaac was. Isaac's the one through whom God intends to do his great things. Regarding the names that we have up there, Midian, you'll recognize this name right here, Midian. He actually uh, gives rise to some descendants that we'll read about later on when we get to the story of Joseph. Joseph, you'll remember that story from Sunday school where he was cast into the pit by his brothers, his jealous brothers, and then some traders were on their way to Egypt, and they described as Midianites, all right? And they, uh, so the brothers end up selling Joseph to these Midianites. They take him down to Egypt, and then they sell him to uh, the household of Potiphar, all right? So Midian there is mentioned. That's a connection that we'll have. These, by the way, all these names right here are associated with Arabia or modern-day Saudi Arabia. All right, so these become tribes and they become regions that we would find in the area of Saudi Arabia or the Arabian Peninsula. Another one up here, Shua. All right, here we go, $20. Trivia. If anybody can name the three primary friends of Job, all right, and where they came from, I wouldn't be able to get it, but we're having fun, right? So it's 20 bucks. You can't look it up. You can't look it up. All right, here they are. They are Job's three friends. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. All right, those are the three. That's right. Oh, man. I was at it. That's why I felt pretty safe offering a 20. I'm going to put that away now. But uh, you notice that the second one there, Bildad, the Shuhite. The Shuhite, that's descended from this person here. They became a, a clan or a tribe or a people group through whom Bildad, one of Job's friends, is associated all right, so that also provides us a little bit of a glimpse as to the timing of Job. Job is one of the first books of the Bible written. In fact, written before Genesis, most people think. Uh, but the timing of it seems to place it very soon in time to kind of what we're reading about in here. So shortly after the time of Abraham is probably kind of where it falls into place for the timing of the book of Job. Some other ones up there, Sheba and Dedan. These are names that are commonly found in the Bible, uh, but a lot of times they seem to be people that are different from, from these two that are mentioned. All right? There's this discussion, this debate. Oh, maybe they're the same ones, maybe they're not. So Sheba and Dedan are very common names in the Bible. You'll run across them quite a bit. There is a possibility, some of the commentators will say, well, one of the possibilities is maybe they were there were different people groups that intermarried, and that's why it gives some confusion. Maybe that's part of the reason for some of the confusion, whether or not they're the same people or not. And then down here, you'll see these names, all right? Dedan's descendants or Dedan's sons, Asherim, Letushim, and Leumim. Notice anything similar about the endings of each of those names? They all end the same way. They have that same sound, right? Have we talked about this before, especially maybe talking about Elohim? All right. In Hebrew, if something has that sound on the end of it, it's plural. It's a plural. So you've got a plural form right there. Some of the ancient Hebrew targums or commentaries uh, suggested that maybe these started as merchants, travelers, 
and heads of clans or heads of people, merchant travelers and heads of people, all right, being in the plural. Over here, this one, ephah. Ephah is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, in association with Midian, in having a spice trade and, and camel caravans, all right? Camel caravans and transporting uh, fragrant spices. And a lot of these names have to do with fragrant spices. In fact, Ketera's name means smoke or incense, all right? It seems to be related to the Hebrew word for smoke or incense. So a lot of these have to do with the spice trade, all right? Which is typical of that uh, Northwest Arabian area, apparently, at that time. And then regarding these four right here, Kind of like this one, but uh, not specifically mentioned in Isaiah 60. But what Kenneth Matthew does say is, like Ephah, the remaining descendants, Ephah, Hanok, Abida, and Elda'ah, are difficult to locate confidently, though most scholars assume they were in northwest Arabia, associated with towns or oases along caravan routes. Okay, so that gives you a little bit of a background of, of all these names. So, mercifully, we're done with those names. <laughs> all right, we're moving on to the next section or the next verse. Somebody mind reading verse 5. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. Here's a big word, patrilineal. Anybody want to guess what patrilineal means? You probably figure father's it out. Line. Say that again? Father's line. Good job. Yeah, father's line. Descending from the father. And then here's another big word. How about this one? Primogeniture. First son. Good job. First son. Were you an English major? <laughs> well done. So the way that the system was set up back then is basically Abraham is electing and choosing Isaac to be the person through whom the tribe is going to pass. The tribe is going to pass from Abraham to his son Isaac, and part of that is because he's the firstborn. You might be saying, wait a minute, but he wasn't. Ishmael was the firstborn. Ishmael was born before Isaac, so Ishmael should get the firstborn status. Why is Isaac getting the firstborn status? Do you remember our study as to why that wouldn't have been Ishmael? that already arranged when he left wasn't he already given oh okay good if you remember with hagar right hagar was like a stopgap measure proposed by sarah hey i can't seem to have children we need to have children i don't have any children now you've got no children how are we going to get some children i know let's use hagar and that was acceptable in the time and so hagar the maidservant ended up getting pregnant and she ends up bearing ishmael Mm -hmm. ishmael would have been the firstborn ishmael would have been the heir except for the fact that hagar did not have the status that Sarah had as a wife. So if Sarah was ever going to have a child, it would supersede in importance and legally Ishmael. All right. And as you know, as time goes on, Sarah ends up, blessed by God, gets pregnant, and ends up having Isaac, which supersedes the importance and the legal status of Ishmael for the firstborn. All right. And then eventually Sarah says, you know what, this woman and her son, get them out of here. And you remembered that was probably a hard thing to follow through on, but uh, Abraham had to send them off, uh, provide them provisions and send them off. One of the things you'll remember is they were sent off. Hagar was in despair. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my son? And God had made a promise that he would bless Ishmael and that multiple sons would be coming from uh, Ishmael and they would become tribes and people groups as well. We'll look at that a little bit more when we on our next study. But uh, the rights of the firstborn. So here in verse 5, we're told that Abraham does give all he has to Isaac. And then verse 6, somebody mind reading this one? Before he died. Excellent. Thank you, Jennifer. So here we have, wait a minute, I thought he gave everything to Isaac, but here he's giving stuff to them. The difference is obviously he's given to Isaac the inheritance. He's giving to them gifts, parting gifts. All right, thanks for playing. All right, and he sends them off. 
All right. Moving expenses. <laughs> Moving expenses. There you go. Exactly right. So he gives them small small portions of the estate, but basically just uh, provisions, if you will, or moving expenses, and sends them off on their way so that there won't be anybody to rival Isaac for the passing of the tribe over to him. When Abraham gives gifts to these sons, it says to the sons of the concubines. Who are the concubines? It's plural. Who's, who's the concubines? Who's most likely the concubines? If all you have is to work with on the board there, which is all the text gives us, you have Keturah, and then, but it's in the plural, so who else would you include in that group? Would it be Sarah? Sarah. No, no, not, not no, Sarah. Not Sarah, but Hagar. Hagar. Hagar, exactly right. So it would be Hagar and Keturah most likely is, is who's being referred to here. If there's any other women, we don't know of them. If there's any other sons, they're not named as well. All right, so all we have to work with is what the texts give us, and this is what the texts give us. So it seems like that word concubine seems to include Keturah and seems to include Hagar as well. Gave those to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, and while he was still living, he sent them eastward, sent them eastward, away from Isaac's son, to the country of the east. So here we have the mention of east twice, and the idea that they're sent at least once there. Do you remember anybody else that was ever sent, and there was the mention of east? Going way back now, way back. The Garden of Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve blew it, right? And Adam and Eve blew it, and God... Put an angel to block the way. He sent them out of the garden, and he blocked the way. It was on the east side. It was specifically mentioned the angel was on the east side. So they were sent away from the garden in an eastward direction. And then they, later on, Cain. Cain, if you look at uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So it seemed that there was this idea that they were pushing or moving further and further away from the original place God had met with man. All right? And it seemed like this idea of moving eastward, as we're reading it here, it kind of conjures up to the reader, oh, wait a minute, man, that's a bad place to go. I remember Adam and Eve had to go that way. I remember Cain went that way. All right, So them to be sent away, it's kind of like to say they're gone and they're done and they're, they're cut off. All right, Just as Adam and Eve were cut off from the garden, just as Cain was cut off from the fellowship with God. Sent away to the east. How about verse 7? Somebody mind reading verse 7? This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, 175 years. 175 years. Man, that's ridiculous. We can't trust our Bible. Nobody lives to be 175 years. Why do they want us to believe her? You remember from our previous studies that we've been looking at the ages of people. And if you remember, I'm not going to throw 20 out now because somebody might know the answer to this one. Who lived the longest and how long did he live? Do you guys remember that? This is going way back. This is like chapter... Methuselah. Methuselah. I heard you starting to say it. Yeah. And then how long? Do you remember how long he lived? 969 years. 969 years. So, okay, 127 doesn't sound too ridiculous. <laughs> Basically, you remember as we were looking at it, as the, from the fall, from Adam and Eve in the fall, and then even from the flood, and it shows up even more so. If you look at the flood and the ages of the people that lived after the flood, their ages got shorter and shorter and shorter. No longer were people living in 900 years. You know, they're, they're tapering down. And so here we're seeing it. It's continuing to taper down. And here he's dying at 175. We look at that and go, man, that's amazing. That's, you know, two, three of my lifetimes. Well, we're continuing to distance ourselves from the flood. We're still, you know, experiencing that tapering down, if you will, of, of ages. So here we have, uh, he dies at 175 years old. What I want to do now is I want to make a little bit of room here on the board, and we're going we're gonna to look at a few significant dates in Abraham's life. How about, let's turn to, um, we're looking at his death, right? So what verse is that? His death is specifically what? Verse 25, verse 7? 25, 7. Abraham dies at 175. 
turn to Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 4. We're going to be looking at a few key points that actually mention his age as we're looking back over his life. Does somebody uh, mind reading verse 12? Sorry, chapter 12, verse 4, and having to do with his age. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from him. So he departed Haran at 75. Okay, that's the first mention we have of an age associated with Abram. All right, back then he was called Abram. So uh, chapter 12, verse 4, departed Haran at the age of 75. Here he dies 100 years later. Wow, what a big momentous 100 years, right, though, as we look at it. The next place that you'll read about his age is over in chapter 16, verse 16. Somebody mind looking over there? Chapter 16, verse 16. Somebody mind reading that one? Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore in Ishmael. Excellent. Thank you. So Ishmael, born when Abraham was 86. All right. So we're getting a little picture of filling in or fleshing out the, the ages uh, of some of these significant events in his life. How about chapter 17? Chapter 17, and this is going to be a two-verse thing. How about verses 1 and 21? Somebody mind reading verse 1? When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Excellent. So we have a, a mention of an age, right, and that God appears to him. And then let's, uh, let's complete it there by looking at verse 21. Somebody mind reading that? But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. Okay, so that whole chapter, if you're looking between verses 1 and 21, you find that he's mentioned as being 99 years old. And within that chapter, you find this promise. Within a year, you're going to have Isaac, all right? So God's already picked the name and already knows when it's going to be. All right, so he's narrowed, he's narrowed himself down. He's got to come through now. He's made this really specific promise. Is God going to keep his promises? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> of course he is. How about 21 verse 5? Somebody might read that one. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. In Excellent. So Isaac born when Abraham was 100. How old was Sarah when this happened? If you need a glimpse as to how old Sarah was, chapter 17 verse 17 gives us that clue. All right. Chapter 17, verse 17. Somebody mind reading that verse. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Excellent. So according to that passage, that, that happened right here with the promise of Isaac being one year out. All right. So he's 99 years old. He's hearing that he's going to have a son in a year. So he knows he's going to be 100. And he's laughing. Really? Am I going to have a son when I'm 100 and when my wife is 90, 10 years younger? So Isaac is born at 100 for, uh, for Abraham and uh, 90 years old for Sarah. So that helps us to realize that all these numbers, Sarah is 10 years younger than Abraham. How about uh, the next one? How about 23 verse 1? Chapter 23 verse 1. Somebody might read that one. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died. And what was her age? 127. 127. And so what would that have made Abraham's age? 137. 137, exactly right. So Abraham's 137 years old when Sarah passes away. And we look at it and we go, man, that's weird. And the next thing we see, Abraham's dying. Well, he, he ends up getting married to Keturah and he has a bunch of sons. All right, But other than that, not much else seems to be happening unless you look forward of where we're at right now in the study. If you look forward into the, some of the passages ahead of us, you can get two additional clues as to some stuff that happened that we don't know about right here. 
we're in the point where he died. And we're thinking, okay, everything I'm going to learn about this guy is done. But that's not actually the case. Turn to chapter 25, verse 20. 25, verse 20, we're not there yet, obviously, but we're going to sneak ahead. We're going to look ahead just a little bit. What does that one say there? And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Excellent. So Isaac, right here, Isaac was 40 years old when he got married to Rebekah. Okay? So when would that have been if Isaac was born when Abraham was 100? How old was Abraham when Isaac got married? 140. 140. So, Isaac married. Nobody told you math on the That's normal for Jeff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's all kinds of math going on in my head when we're in there. All right, so according to chapter 25, verse 20, looks like Isaac got married when Abraham was 140 years old. Okay, and that's actually the passage that helps us to figure out that Isaac was three years into mourning the passing of his mom when he got married to Rebecca. All right, so it's that passage that helps us out. What this means then is what? It means that Abraham was around when Isaac got married. We read that story, there was no mention of Abraham. But here when we do the math, we go, oh man, he's still got 35 years to go when Isaac's getting married. So it's kind of interesting to see what you can glean out of these things when you start to synthesize it and put the numbers up on the board. All right, one more, and this is going to be even a little bit crazier. 25, 26. 25, 26. What does it say over there? After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Ian's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Excellent. So here you have the mention of the birth of who? Jacob, right? You have the mention of the birth of Jacob yeah. and also his twin brother, Jacob and Esau. Okay. Jacob and Esau are born when Isaac is 60, which is 20 years after he gets married. Mm -hmm. So 20 years after he gets married, how old is Abraham? He's 160. He's alive when Jacob is born. How weird is that? We don't see that anywhere in the text other than putting these verses together. Mm -hmm. And we're able to create a timeline and go, wow, Abraham got to see not only his son get married, he got to see his son have another son, another son of promise. He got to see Abraham, got to see Isaac, and got to see Jacob, the next son through whom the promises are going to come. We see this line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You ask a Jew, who do you worship? I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, Those are the three biggies. And Abraham still gets to see that. He's alive at this point. Turn to one other passage. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. Because a lot of people would read this and they go, I, I don't know. There's no mention in Scripture about Abraham being alive at the same time as Jacob and Esau. But there is a little interesting passage that the wording seems to fit and correspond with this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, By faith he, it's talking about Abraham, By faith he journeyed in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob. A little verse that you can pass over and not even see that. But here, just a little glimpse, that does fit. Abraham was alive at the same time Isaac was alive, at the same time that Jacob was alive. So it's kind of funny. You wouldn't see this from the text. It's not mentioned in the text other than, like I said, to create a timeline up here to be able to look at these things. All right, going back to Genesis, Genesis 25, and going to verse 8. We're going to end with this verse. In fact, we're not going to finish this verse. We're just going to kind of touch on it a little bit. Genesis chapter 25, verse 8. 
And it says this, Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. He died in a good old age. I want you to look now at Genesis 15, 15. Thinking of Abraham dying at a good old age. What does Genesis 15, 15 say? Somebody mind reading that one. Now it's for you. You shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. The same phrase, isn't it? It's the same phrase. God made a promise to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 15. And God fulfills his promises here. Have we not seen that over and over and over again? That God keeps his promises? All right. He died of good old age. God kept his promise. And we're going, okay, but that's really not too impressive that somebody would die at a good old age. I mean, sure, you could die at a good old age just as easily as you could die at a good young age. All right? But it's one more place where God's fingerprint shows up, where God is consistent. In the writing of this word, we find that he's promised to die at a good old age, and here he is dying at a good old age. But there's other promises, too. Turn to Genesis 12.3. Genesis 12.3. This was God's first appearance with Abraham. God appears to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. And verse 3 says this. God speaking to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is another promise. But Abraham died before he saw this fulfilled. Does that mean God breaks his promises? How about this one? Genesis 15, 5. Genesis 15:5. God speaking to Abraham again. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. God made another promise to Abraham. Look at the stars. Your descendants are going to be that many. But you know what? We saw the chart that was on the board earlier. And then we count the different... There's not very many. So there's another promise that seems to have failed. Where did it? It wasn't fulfilled yet, right? In Abraham's lifetime. Abraham had those two promises not fulfilled in his lifetime. You know, sometimes God has great things in mind for us that maybe won't find their fulfillment in our lifetime. And we look at it as a very egocentric way of looking at the world, and we think, well, then what good is it to me? Right? Because we think it's all about us. (laughs) What good is it to me if God makes me a promise that's not going to be fulfilled in my lifetime? Who cares? God has a big plan, all right? And it spans more than just your little life and my little life. All right? God has a big plan, and it spans much more than just this life of Abraham, this very full life. All right, So we're looking at a very momentous hundred years, from the time we first meet him and have an age associated with him to the time that he dies. That was a full hundred years. But God's plan is much bigger than that. God made three promises that we looked at right there, one of which was fulfilled in his lifetime, two of which weren't. Next week, we'll get to look a little bit closer at those two that weren't fulfilled in his lifetime, but we'll find that God does indeed keep his promises. All right, let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us here. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who keeps his promises. We thank you also, Lord, that we get to see that even though our lives seem to be pretty long when when we're in the middle of them, Lord, we start to realize that what you're doing in the lives of mankind spans eternity and that we're just a, a vapor and a mist here. Help us, Lord, to be willing participants in whatever you would do. Help us, Lord, to contribute whatever we have to give. And thank you, Lord, because everything we have is given to us by you. Thank you, Lord, that you are trustworthy and that Abraham found that out and became the father of faith to us all. 
Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. To be continued. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.